A special thanks to the folks at Anchor.fm for sponsoring this podcast. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from articles, social media, past audiobooks, and other spoken word projects. And now, here's your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And as always, thank you, Mr. Announcer, for that wonderful introduction. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. Today, some op-eds talking about the departure of our 45th president. And I'll be right back after this. The afterlife is not at all what Jack Duffy had expected. A failed suicide attempt launches him into a world that tests his abilities. In this world, he learns more about himself after a lifetime of horrific decisions. Written by Paul B. Kohler and narrated by Tom Zania. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. Hi, I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for joining me for the spoken word podcast, Tom Reads Your Story. I'm just taking a short break to tell you about the professional voiceover services I have to offer. If you are looking for someone to voice your audiobooks, YouTube videos, commercial or IVR projects, I hope you'll take a few minutes after the podcast to check out my website for more information. Just visit www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. I can answer any questions you may have. And now, back to the podcast. Today, today was Donald Trump's last full day as president of the United States, and he spent it stewing in private, mulling pardons for well-connected allies, and releasing a meaningless, lie-filled farewell message. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. Today, Trump released a pre-taped farewell message filled as usual with the soaring oratory he's known for. My fellow am- uh, If you don't get to do that, you don't want to do any of the hard parts of leaving, like gracefully admitting you lost and attending your successor's inauguration, but you want us to watch your lie-filled 20-minute farewell speech, which I am certain you're reading for the first time like a tourist reading a menu in a foreign language. Uh, hamburger? Although I will briefly touch on the overarching message because of how absurd it is. Four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. And yet, sadly, my presidency ends one week before Infrastructure Week. Are you insane? You left the nation in ruins. What did you come here to do? Wreck the economy, spread disease, and take selfies with cans of beans where you smile like you just ate ice cream with a cavity? This time four years ago, virtually the entire federal government was being mobilized in service of an incredibly stupid lie. Trump's insistence that his inauguration crowd was the largest ever, even though we could all see that it had more white space than the back of a Hallmark card. And we 
are back. That, of course, what you just heard, was Seth Meyers, one of my favorite comedians from Saturday Night Live, who now, for the past few years, has had his, has his own show um, on NBC. Um, I think it's Late Night with Seth Meyers or something. It's Late Something. Anyway, <laughs> he has a terrific show, and I wanted to get that piece in there because I'm showing today America's Last Licks on Donald Trump. And I know that's yeah, it's kind of a negative thing, and we are now, as I am broadcasting this, we are now under a new leader for our country, thankfully, uh, President Joe Biden. And upon uh, this final week of Trump, people got their, people were sort of set free to say what they like. And obviously, after all that's happened in the past several weeks, people are saying what they want to say. And so am I. And today, I'm going to play um, an op-ed on Trump's leaving from the Washington Post. And later on the broadcast, we will have another uh, one, which is very good. It's by John Pavlovitz. John Pavlovitz is, of course, a Christian minister who's quite liberal and quite outspoken about Trump. I don't know how outspoken he'll be about President Biden, but we'll certainly find out soon enough. Um, But here's the first one from the Washington Post. Goodbye, Donald Trump. You Were the Worst of Us, by Paul Waldman, The Washington Post, January 19, 2021. In fantasy worlds, a nation may be led by its best, a noble king, full of courage and wisdom and love for all his people, who bears the weighty burden of rule because no one else could do it better. That's not how things usually work in the real world where for every virtuous leader there are a hundred mediocrities, knaves, and fools. But here in the United States, we come now to the end of a four-year experiment to answer the question, what would happen if we were led by the worst of us? What if we searched the land and plucked out literally the most repugnant human being we could find, a walking collection of character flaws, and put him in charge? What damage would he do? And what version of America would be left in his wake? When Joe Biden takes the oath of office, there will be no joyful celebrations, only relief that Donald Trump's presidency is finally over. America is in a state of misery and despair, our condition degraded, and our divisions seeming more intractable than ever in our lifetimes. On Trump's last day as president, we will mark 400,000 dead from COVID-19. Not just Trump's greatest failure, but perhaps the greatest failure of any president in our history. By the time the pandemic he so disastrously mishandled is over, that number could be 600,000. That's not to mention the millions out of work, the businesses shuttered, the epidemic of loneliness and depression, and all the children whose educations have been set back, perhaps irrevocably. He brought us all that. I've written in the neighborhood of 1,500 articles about Trump since 2015. He dominated our consciousness like no president before him. 
as we approach his presidency's end. We can't list his misdeeds, because there are simply too many. We can't recount his lies, because they stack halfway to the moon. To ask what was the worst thing he did is to plunge into a discussion as much philosophical as historical. The deaths of hundreds of thousands through incompetence or the unfathomable cruelty of ripping children from their parents' arms or the repulsive corruption of strong-arming a foreign government to help him destroy a political opponent or the incitement of his deranged followers to rampage through the capital or the relentless assault on truth itself, which was worse? There is no right answer. But is there anyone who feels better about their country now than they did before Trump descended that escalator to grab hold of our attention and then our government? More loving toward all their fellow Americans, more optimistic about our future, with a greater faith that we can solve the problems that confront us? Perhaps some do. I can only speak for myself when I say that this era has left me with a sour taste in my mouth that I fear will never go away. Trump changed our perspective on so many things, usually in ways that gave us a fuller understanding of our politics, even if the knowledge made us miserable. He showed us how vulnerable we were, not just to a demagogue, we've seen those before, but to an outright sociopath. He showed us how rickety many of our institutions are and how easily they could be corrupted. And he showed us the dark hearts of so many of our fellow Americans. We saw how millions would glory in his toxic message, his hateful rhetoric, his corruption and moral depravity. We saw how eager so many were to genuflect before a strong man. Those with a clear view of history knew that already, of course. Trump simply illustrated it in vivid gigapixel resolution. If he had a political genius, this was where it lay in his understanding that the typical politician's rhetoric about how Americans are the most virtuous people who ever lived upon the earth couldn't be more wrong. We're just people. Driven as much by grievance and resentment and outright loathing for our fellow humans as anyone else. No less than in any other country that has cheered an authoritarian who grabbed power, success in America can be had by appealing to our ugliest impulses. One can take some comfort in the fact that both times Trump ran, his opponent got more votes. The number of us who recoiled from him in disgust was greater than the number who saw him as their champion. That is true. But there were so many who supported him, 63 million in 2016, then 74 million in 2020, numbers so great that it's hard to contemplate them without succumbing to despair. Many of the details of this time, the vulgar offensiveness, the two-bit grifters he gathered around him, the comical lies, will fade in their particulars from our memories as time passes. One day, you may struggle to explain to your grandchildren what it was like when Trump was president, to conjure the details that would help them fully understand what made each day of this period so horrid. Perhaps that's the best we can hope for, that in order to renew our optimism about our nation's future, we'll have to allow ourselves to forget, just a little, what Trump made us see and how he made us feel, at least enough so we don't lose all faith.
we can focus on the flowering of progressive grassroots activism that rose up in reaction to him or how the pandemic made us value the relationships it has deprived us of. It won't be easy. But that's another lesson of this era. Politics is hard and messy and painful, and it never ends. But it has its redemptive moments, too. So when Trump sulks back to Mar-a-Lago, take a moment to bask in that sweet relief and resolve to do your part to make sure nothing like it ever happens again. And, of course, James Waldman, I think it's Waldman, that wrote that uh, Washington Post article. And I want to thank my good friend who um, who sent it to me and copy and pasted it uh, as a Facebook message because he knows that I don't subscribe to the Washington Post. That's from my friend Brooks. Thank you, Brooks, for sending me that article. I wouldn't have otherwise had it. I don't subscribe uh, on a monthly basis to any um, any newspapers or magazines. Um, I, I figure, you know, if I, if I can't find it, I'll ask a friend to copy and paste it for me like I did with Brooks. Thanks again, Brooks. The, uh, the next thing we're going to hear is of course, what I just mentioned, uh, from John Pavlovitz, a Christian minister, very outspoken, a very good website, uh, with articles, uh, at least, you know, through the past Trump administration. And he, of course, uses this as a way to write a letter to the former president. And I think you'll like this. Here it is. Goodbye, President Trump. You are a helpful disaster. By John Pavlovitz. January 19, 2021. Dear President Trump, in the waning hours of your presidency, I wanted to take a few moments to express my deepest gratitude for all that you've done. It will be difficult in this small space to adequately express the depth and breadth of my appreciation, but I will make an admittedly feeble attempt. I was wrong about you. For four years, I've openly lamented the poison your presidency has so effortlessly generated. I've watched our country imploding on your watch, witnessed our public discourse become polluted in your presence, and seen our political climate grow ever more corrosive with you overseeing it. At first, I wrongly assumed you were to blame. But in recent years, I've come to understand that you haven't manufactured our current national ugliness at all. You've simply revealed it. You've uncovered who we have always been. And for those like myself, who have been afflicted with privilege or were criminally uninformed because we were able to be, that felt sudden and shocking, though it shouldn't have. By saying the irresponsible, mean-spirited, ignorant things you've said so freely and so frequently, you've given other like-minded people license to do the same, unapologetically admitting who they always were but were previously fearful of declaring. 
you became the flag they could proudly wave in defiant hatred of so many. You've made bigotry, misogyny, and racism socially acceptable again, and that has been a kind of twisted gift because it's allowed me to really see people, not as they pretend to be on the surface, but in the very depths of their wounded, weaponized hearts. For years, your supporters would tell me that they loved you because you spoke your mind. That was never the real story. The truth is, they loved you because you've spoken their minds. You voiced their phantom oppressions, gave credence to their hollow grievances, justified their inherited prejudices, validated their ignorant phobias, and made their fringe ideologies so mainstream. You normalized their contempt for humanity. Thanks to the terrible ground you've broken, politicians, pastors, friends, and strangers, both in person and on social media, now regularly out themselves as intolerant and malicious. And they remind me just how close they are to me, just how deep the sickness in us runs, and just how far we have to go together. You've emboldened people to be open about things they used to conceal for the sake of decorum. And though it turns my stomach, I know that this is the only way we can move forward, to have that cancerous stuff exposed fully so that it can be dealt with. Our progress as a nation now is predicated on authentic dialogue and honest conversation, no matter how brutal and disheartening those endeavors are. In other words, You've let us know what we're really dealing with here, and while it's been rightly disturbing, it's also been revelatory. That's the thing about that kind of harsh light. You're forced to see everything, beauty and monstrosity equally illuminated. Let me be clear. You have been the least qualified, least knowledgeable, most malignantly horrible president we've ever had. And I fear gravely for the world all our children will inherit because of you. I believe you're reckless, bitter, and completely reprehensible, that you represent the very worst of us. You are a staggeringly small and insecure man whose perpetual neediness and unprecedented emotional insecurity have made our national planetary punchline. But in being these things, you've allowed me to see the truth about myself, about people I love, about people in our neighborhood, about nearly half our nation. And in the process, you've also shown me that I am not alone in resisting this ugly thing you've exposed about us. You've generated a larger, louder, more passionate response to it all. And this is where I find true gratitude in these days. In the 81 million who have been horrified for every single day you have been here, those who have grieved and despaired and been outraged, in those who have lost sleep and sacrificed time and expended energy pushing back against you and people like you, in those for whom equality and diversity aren't just cheap platitudes, they are the most precious of hills to die on, in those disparate people who refuse to be silent in the face of our recent shared regression, in those willing to be more bold in defending the inherent value of all people now than they ever were. 
in white people who are finally coming to terms with the reality of their privilege and the supremacy afflicting this nation. In the growing army of those who will not tolerate hatred as a core American value a single day longer. In those who reject violence as a default response to dissension. In the ever-rising voice of people who will not let malice and bitterness represent them in the world. Today, I find my hope in those 81 million plus who, like me, will not be complicit in allowing bigotry and intolerance to become a source of national pride. Because we've seen where that leads. Yes, President Trump, you have been a complete and unmitigated disaster. You have left a trail of injured people, desecrated ideals, plundered resources, and fractured relationships that cannot be quantified. But in being as unrepentantly malevolent and unapologetically ugly as you have been, you've unearthed our hidden sickness and shown us who we are, not in the songs or the anthems or history books, but in reality and in this moment. You brought every awful thing about us out into the open, and now we have to deal with it all. And for this, I thank you. Now get the hell out of our house and out of our lives for good. And, of course, that was John Pavlovitz in an excellent, excellent article, I think. Uh, from his website. And thank you for letting me use that. And so it's the end of the line for Donald Trump. He says he accomplished making the country a better place. Another of his many lies, he left it in a mess, as we all know. And if you think it was no big deal, you're wrong. It was. Uh, let's face it, he never wanted to be a president, he only wanted the glory of being president. And that's where he was only sort of successful. Why would a man who's never worked a day in his life to take on the heavy lifting that comes with being the leader of the free world? And he didn't hide the answer to that question either. He basically gave all of the advisor work to his son-in-law, Jared, invented bogus jobs for family and friends, and appointed the most unqualified cabinet in history. And it went on and on and on for four years, never won the popular vote into elections, impeached more times than he was elected, twice. And his punishment? Not being able to run again. That's it? That's a punishment? The punishment, I think, will go to Joe Biden, who will spend the better part of his term mopping up after the overflowing toilet of the Trump administration. I wish Joe only the best. And that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed your visit today, please tell your friends. Be sure to email me at tomreadyourstory at yahoo.com or call 929-260-1952 if you have questions or comments about the show. As always, thanks, anchor.fm, for the chance to have an ongoing podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time. Stay safe and take care.
For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story.